Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Today we have Lauren Watling. She's a TV producer. She's in the studio with me. Thank you so much, Lauren, for being here. Thank you for having me, Blair. What is your current title and that role? So at the moment, my title is Head of Hive, and that's at FCB New Zealand. So Hive, I came on board at Hive about three years ago, actually, just two weeks two weeks ago, and um, I set up um, FCB's first in-house kind of line production company. Line production company, for those that aren't familiar, how would you describe that? I think um, if you think about in a traditional agency, you'll have a production department where you'll have TV producers who will engage with external production companies to produce work. So instead of engaging with someone external, I essentially engage with myself and um, manage a project. So instead of going external for casting and talent, um, that's all handled within the Hive team. And what about the creative and the actual filming, editing, post work as well? So we're a team of six full-timers and we just shrink and swell as we need to. So we've got three people who sit kind of in the content creation space and three in the content production. So um, one content director who um, directs all the productions and is an amazing um, director of photography as well. And then we have two content creators who support and assist on shoots and also shoot a lot of the social content for us. Social, quite different from, say, 10 years ago, where the focus for video was TV. Social has become a major player for every client. Mm -hmm. With Hive, sort of a fast-to-market offering, Mm -hmm. rather than, say, um, the normal historical model, there must be a lot of flexibility in how you work. Yeah, definitely. I kind of see Hive as sort of new school production. So um, we still have to tick all the boxes that you do traditionally. We still have to get all our contracting and licensing and everything in a row to ensure we don't do anything um, wrong for our clients. But yeah, the way we work is different. So a lot of social content still requires all the same production um, processes as TV, but we just do things a little differently. So we look at a job and go, how can we do this a little bit quicker? How can we sort of trim a little bit of the fat or trim any costs that we may not technically need? So if you've got a crew, for example, of maybe you've only got eight people on set, we don't need catering, we can order Uber Eats and that's going to save you money. So it's these little tiny things that we do that actually massively make a difference with budgets. People see cost saving as not actually fulfilling the job in its entirety, such as licensing, which is massive because Mm -hmm. if you weren't to do that, who knows when you actually might get caught out. And then if you got stung, massive, massive ramifications. Yeah, I think that's so important that no matter what type of production you're doing, how small the job is, you have to do everything still by the book because the law's never going to change. Maybe the way you go about it might be a little bit different or the way you approach it or the way you negotiate the fee, but fundamentally it's still exactly how it's always been. I've spent a year freelancing in between full-time roles and utilising sites and services and it just feels like that there's so many that you can supplement Mm -hmm. the work with whether that's stock footage or library music. And a lot of these have bad connotations after years of pretty average content. Now they've come into their own where it might not be that you use them entirely, but they supplement the work as well. 
Yeah, we find, yes, stock libraries, they can just be such a great filler. You might need just a moment where you're talking about something and you don't have the means to go and shoot it. It's just about finding and writing a really clear brief to those stock houses so you don't end up with the same thing as yeah. everyone else. You're like, oh, cool, here's another footage of someone walking along Vietnam. I've seen that before. So it's about how you can create really bespoke content. And what's awesome is Getty and Shutterstock and a lot of the big, um, massive houses that do all the library um images are starting to create bespoke things for you so you can actually ask them for certain things and they've got videographers all around the world which is pretty amazing it's a huge kind of change in their model as well basically you're giving them a brief and they're going out to who they have on their books to fulfill that yeah yeah no there's that option we haven't I haven't done it yet myself but it's definitely something I'm seeing kind of come through now I've um, seen that on a smaller scale, but a company like that, which has a huge client base, could really make a big impact on how we're working and the models. I think that's the thing I'm seeing is there are new models popping up all the time that really allow you to work in a different way than we did before. Yeah, I think it is really exciting and there are so many companies starting up and so many people who are kind of going to market saying they can do all these things. With Hive, we've really grown as we can. So we've never just hired a whole team. We've kind of grown one by one. So I started out as just myself um, and then slowly kind of created the perfect kind of combination of skill sets and everyone that's in my team is so talented and they can do so many different things they're not sort of just one fixed they're not just a producer or just an editor they're just sort of this amazing creative hybrid and I think that's a really good tip that I would say is don't you've got a great idea but really take time to understand the best way to kind of bring in your team because that's going to be make or break. Yeah I personally know from working with you in the past you really tap into the experience and knowledge of others and what I see is, is you reflecting that back, taking the best parts of it, but seeing it and applying it in a different way. Yeah, what I think I love about what I've been able to do with Hive and what I've done previously is you can see there's so many amazing and talented people around and you can kind of look and go, what are the best bits? So whether that's an amazing leader, you go, what qualities do they have that I want to bring back for my team or what um, what are they really skilled at that I need to be skilled at? So you can really learn from looking kind of outside. And I'm not an expert. I am learning every day. My team, they know so many more things than I do. And it's about, yeah, just getting the best out of everyone and kind of you're just growing together the team's not hierarchical we're kind of all we're all on the same mission and we've got great clarity over what we're trying to achieve your role running the hive you have to utilize all those skill sets that you have as a producer the word producer it can be so broad (laughs) yes if we're looking at it in terms of your type of role what are the things that being a producer the skill sets that you need in your roles? Well I think when I went to uni I was quite confident. I loved drama, I loved geography, I loved being organised. I'd organise everyone's birthdays, their 21sts and I loved just planning my day, always had a diary and so when I first got into production I basically was going through the Cleminger graduate programme and they said to me do you want to work in account service or production and I said oh I actually don't know what either of those things mean, but whatever you think would be great and found myself as a junior producer. And what's so cool about this skill set, I don't think I had any idea what it was, so I just thought on the movies the producer has her name on the screen and that's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I guess it kind of brought together everything I'd done in the past, so the marketing background, able to sell yourself, sell the production that you're trying to bring to life, budgeting like through statistics that I'd done at uni, being able to kind of move numbers around and not be scared of that. Yeah, being able to present and have client meetings, have difficult conversations, have um, 
yeah, I think it's just being really positive and going, cool, well, there's this amazing creative idea, there's a limited budget, how am I going to bring this to life? Because ultimately the producer needs to be the gatekeeper that kind of pulls it together and kind of creates the magic. Normally a producer is the one that's in contact with the most amount of people in yeah. a production. Mm-hmm. I see with your team that it's even bigger than that, where there's a lot more hands-on as well. Finding the right people and getting to it and making it happen as fast as possible. Totally. Like I think um, traditionally, if you were going to try and find a location, say you wanted to shoot at a rugby club, you'd engage with a location scout or a location manager and he would go and do an initial kind of file pull for you, tell you who previously he might have worked with. Um, And a lot of the time with our budgets, it's about the producer or someone in my team who is a producer going and cold calling, knocking on doors, seeing a cool building that you think could make a great backdrop and having the confidence to kind of um, arrange that and kind of negotiate to use their premise. So that's something that typically a producer wouldn't do. Likewise with talent, like it might be going to a supermarket and going, hey, have you ever considered doing this and really kind of fulfilling the role of that talent manager or the location scout um so yeah definitely not a traditional producer job description (laughs) no but the outcomes are still requiring to be at a professional level Mm -hmm. and high quality it's not about having um poor end results the demand is that it's going to be high quality as well Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, where I am at now at the moment, FCB, we're such an incredible creative agency. And so there's a level of creative that we absolutely must always adhere to. So it's my job as the producer and as managing Hive to work alongside my director to make sure no matter what we're doing, whether it's just illustrating a little a little tiny animation or doing something really quick and easy that it's still something we're proud of and we'd still put on our reel. So everything that goes out of the door is awesome. Having internal resources, those conversations can happen a bit more freeform, mm-hmm. that it's not requiring to set up the same formal meetings, yep. those things that take time and do take budget when you're pulling lots of people in and setting meeting times. Having your own resources internally and having the talent there, such Mm -hmm. as the content director, how have you found that streamlining the process? Yeah, I think that's been a massive reason why Hive's successful. So we don't have to, every time we want to talk to a director and bring the creatives in the same room, we don't have to organise a time that suits. They're sitting three metres away from me and if I can catch them at the coffee machine and have that chat, a lot of those conversations can be done a lot quicker. So that's a huge advantage being in the same building. Um, And yeah, needing something updated or a question on editing, you've just got everyone sitting right next to you, the whole talent, you've got strategy if you're trying to understand who who is the talent we're trying to find. You've said a 40-year-old female, but what does she like doing? And you can get so much more insight from having everyone kind of in the same room, which is amazing. I also see that the responsibilities of the producers on your team are broader, but it allows for it to be actioned really quickly. But also the people who are creating the content, whether that's the content director mm-hmm. or also those who are doing the post, with having a broader spectrum of skills that are required also gives a bit more creative freedom and excitement to the roles as well. Yeah, I think it's super varied. One day a content creator could be sitting and editing something quite straightforward. The next day they're out shooting on location. The day after that they're at a sound studio watching their edit come to life through sound design. So you really get to see kind of every part of the production process from that initial brief rather than getting pulled in. Often like an editor, they're bored and sort of at the end and they'll go, oh, why did you shoot it like this and did you not consider that? And this way you kind of everyone's set up for success from the beginning because they've got a really clear vision of what the end result's going to look like and you're all on that journey at the same time.
it feels like 20 years ago, everybody was supposed to specialise. So you needed to pick something and then specialise. And that's just completely shifted as the budgets have come down. But the the requirements have gone up. The um, level of execution has become higher, but also the expectations of time delivery, mm-hmm. everything has to happen faster. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been pretty amazing recently. I've had a, f- a couple of people leave due to some cool opportunities for them, but going out and recruiting has been so amazing. So you're looking, I might be looking for a junior producer and at uni they might have worked as a sound recorder on set for an assignment and then been the producer or the editor or they've had a design background and they know how to use InDesign and Photoshop. So everyone that's coming to you has just the most amazing CV and I'm like, oh no, like, <laughs> if this is the next generation, oh, I've got upskill. But it's so exciting to see that people really know that just try and figure out anything like if you're at uni and you're like oh I want to work in production you don't need to necessarily know what you want to do just get your head around every aspect and find what really is the best fit for you. Looking at that generation who are coming out of those courses who have been exposed to having cameras and software available where 10 years ago even it wasn't as easy to acquire the equipment to do any of this and let alone just like shoot and edit and do everything on a smartphone. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm sort of the last generation I got a cell phone when I was in my last year of high school and then my second year of uni you're able to access the internet. So I've kind of, I'm still quite young, I'm still part of the generation sort of in between um, everything being a smartphone and still having that childhood where you ran around and played kind of outside. So it's been interesting as a producer. I've been producing for nearly eight years now and even in that time it's massively changed what the environment looks like and we're even shooting like commercials full out of home big things on a phone depending on a brief so it's pretty crazy how things have changed with that rate of change because I've seen that as well I've been working for a few more years than that (laughs) (laughs) exactly how many but with that rate of change and how quickly things are changing and what could become possible there's always going to be these core skill sets and these attributes that people have that make them valuable to a team and to the type of roles that are required. What, what do you think of those soft skills? I think, I don't know, one thing I think is really awesome is know the people you're working with. So when you're at the coffee machine, if you haven't met them, introduce yourself. Just being approachable and kind is the best thing for a producer. People know they can come to you. You can help solve them the problem. But you can also have that respect that when you say something, they appreciate the way you've said it. So if you say no, they know. Well, Lauren doesn't often say no, so let's kind of further investigate why so I think yeah kindness and just how you carry yourself in the environment you're at um, is super important Um, yeah and integrity with doing costs it's so important to be consistent so when I'm working on a budget I need to make sure that I'm costing it exactly how I work how I have done previously so that there's obviously kind of I might be a little bit mad but there's always logic behind why I've done something yeah yeah I think that those are attributes that anybody could apply. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, kindness and integrity and things yeah. like that. People being able to trust what you're saying is um, grounded. I just think you could apply that to so many roles. When I think of a producer who's connecting with all of these um, people and making these projects work, is there a level of extrovertness that has to go along with it? Or do you think that somebody who is a little bit more introverted can still succeed as a producer? Yeah, 100%. So when I was at primary school, my mum got my first school report and it said, oh, Lauren is so bubbly and loud and she loves work and she loves people. And mum thought, oh, that's weird. Lauren's so quiet at home. And I think um, 
I'm sort of in between. I'm a massive extrovert when I'm around people and I get so much energy from working with them. But when I get home, I'm reading. I'm quite relaxed. I love movies. I'm quite nerdy. I'm not a big personality socially um, on nights out. So I think you can definitely be a combination. I've seen producers who are, I've got a girl on my team who's super introverted and another one who's super extroverted. And it's not so much about that. I think when, once you've got the confidence as a producer, you can communicate whichever way kind of works for you. Again, it's like really about those attributes of people who enable a project to happen, yeah. people who are trustworthy. These are the things that um, anybody will respect. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, yeah. you're also dealing with a lot of people. What are you expecting from those that you're working with? What are the attributes you're looking for? Well, normally in advertising especially, you will get a brief and often there's been delays that have sort of happened along the way. So by the time a job gets to you, the deadline's a lot tighter than you might initially been told. And I think it's about, I'm okay to make do whatever I can to make something happen, but I really want to know that they have my back, they're supporting me, and they'll make sure that they'll help me get there. So if we're behind, I know that my account manager is going to help me push through to make up the time that we might have lost, or they might come with me for a drive and help me location scout because I know I can't get a park on Ponsonby Road. And I think little things like that to know they've got your back and they're willing to kind of come on board to make it happen with you. Those times that you're looking for everybody to rise to the occasion yep. and to just smash it out of the park, yep. it's really, it, it's an attitude across the whole team, not mm-hmm. just the, a few individuals to make it happen. Yeah, and I think sometimes everyone's got different ways they like to work. And as a producer, it's about adjusting your style and knowing, I know that that creative likes me to talk to them that way, or that person needs me to give them a deadline that's really obvious so my email should just say a time rather than all the fluff I normally put in an email so I think the producer should be able to work with multiple personalities and not everyone's going to want to come on the journey you are going to be challenged you are going to have difficult conversations but it's about how can you get the best out of anyone that you're working with yeah interesting Mm. I'm trying to think back to past projects and like how is Lauren playing me there (laughs) (laughs) a little trick bring you a cup of tea in the morning (laughs) When I was working at FCB, I worked with you for quite a number of years. Mm-hmm. I really saw the value of what Hive was bringing to the agency at that time, and we worked on a number of projects mm-hmm. as well. What I really liked is when you have a broad skill set and you have respect with creators and account services, the pace of doing that type of work, you're really thinking on your feet and creative problem-solving just it just feels like it's just um, an action filled day, which mm-hmm. is really exciting, yeah. and it's quite it yeah. kind of spreads <laughs> a lot of adrenaline, yeah, <laughs> fright or flight. <laughs> and occasionally, it's like um, there's those projects that um, with social media, yeah. it's about the immediacy of getting it out there, mm-hmm. especially if something's happening live, which is just a, even even more exciting. It reminded me of my days working in broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it's really interesting is the type of content that's going out on social media. Back in the day, it was like making TVCs. You've mm-hmm. got a 15, a 30, maybe a 60 way back. Yeah. Now there's so many different types of formats, so many different durations. Are you seeing the type of content shifting from what is a 
traditional commercial to different types of content. Yeah, it's pretty amazing what you can do now. And every week there's a new update from the social team on a spec changing. So just recently, Facebook used to accept portrait, vertical videos, 16 by 9, 1 by 1, the craziest formats. And now they're sort of starting to streamline what they're sort of accepting on the platform. But yeah, it's incredible. The type of work we do, it really does change. Like I said before, the production process remains the same, but you might be able to go to step one to six in three minutes because you've just ticked them off in your head. Um, So... I think when work has to be super reactive and quick, people are more forgiving. And I think the more organic you are, particularly on social, the more you're going to actually get respect and your customers or consumers are actually going to engage with you. So um, there's so much strategy and thinking behind everything that we do now. And it's so important. It has changed. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) Not to say that it doesn't have a level of professionalism, but that rawness Mm -hmm. is, like you said, a lot more acceptable, especially when things are going out live streaming and things like that. It brings that reality to it. Are you finding that there's a bit of a shift in live streaming even? Yep. I mean, I would say probably three years ago when Facebook sort of did the first one, I wasn't at FCB at the time, but they did a live stream of a stream, which I thought was hilarious. But um, (laughs) it became really cool when every time Facebook bring on a new thing, like when they did 360, you know, everyone was giving that a go. So live streaming um, is big and it still is great for so many things. If you're doing an expo or you have a sale or you're doing a giveaway, um, a surprise and delight, a live stream's great. Um, but, yeah, we're not doing as many as we were maybe 18 months ago because that was more novel then. You saw it more. Facebook prioritised that on your newsfeed because they were trying to promote that as an option. So, yeah, things sort of come in waves. Yeah, it's same with 360 video, but also the promotion, as you say, of what the social media is promoting because um, they're putting more value. I, I know that long-form content yeah. and duration was a high priority a few years ago. Yeah. And I think it's shifted in the last few Oh, yeah, massively. Now, every brief I get, there's a six-second cut down or a six-second bumper or a three-second gif or what they call in social media word a premium post. So we'll do some BAU, um, really um, straightforward things, and then each month, you know, we'll engage with something more premium and something that's going to really be thumb-stopping on your feed. Yeah. A lot of the work that I've been producing is also going out to social media and those formats that you were talking about earlier have really made everybody think about the framing of the content that Mm -hmm. they're creating, especially tighter turnarounds. Mm -hmm. It's harder to do, say, the same shots three times for different formats. How are you finding to get the coverage you need but also covering the aspect ratios as well? Yeah, there's a few different ways. I mean... Not all the time do we know the full social plan going forward, which isn't always ideal. But, you know, we're shooting in 4K now. We're able to crop. We're able to make something work for portrait normally if we haven't um, known that up front. But, yeah, with a clear plan, we kind of schedule that in a day. When we've got a smaller budget, it might be that we actually shoot some of the um, stuff for Snapchat stories or Instagram stories actually on our phone. We can add the font and text and it's actually done. So depending on the level of craft that we need to do or the time we have to do it, there are so many ways we approach approach a job. But it's, yeah, shooting for social. We just did a TVC recently and we dedicated a third of the day to actually the social outputs, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see that balance Social was just a, such an afterthought a few years back. Now, it, it, and I've seen examples of it actually being the forerunner mm-hmm. where the content producer, the social, has actually then flowed into 
been a TV campaign, mm-hmm. but social was the primary yeah. focus. Yeah, we've had a few jobs where they were just for social and they've ended up being so great. They've ran on TV, which is always really cool to see. That you've, That's when you know you've made something that was good, great, and you've made it work. And good work works probably wherever you put it. So yeah. that's exciting. It's also having a bit of a freedom of trying new approaches, whether that's filming or post. My thoughts being that the editing styles that typically used to be applied to a commercial being almost like a trailer structure Mm -hmm. um, that's been shaken up and you have the freedom to try new things to engage in an audience that could literally just swipe past you in a second. Yeah, totally. I think what's been so exciting with Hive is FCB's support to let us try anything. I remember, Blair, when you were with us and we heard about 360 and you said, cool, Lauren, like, here's some references. Let's do something awesome. And we were able to because the cost of doing that is is really affordable for a client. They're willing to take that gamble. And more often or not, when we've kind of had a bit of a leap of, a leap of faith, we have just – it's been amazing and we've actually been looked to as setting the kind of standard for that output. So that's really exciting. Awesome. When I think of social content, something that's been quite big is also being influencers mm-hmm. and content that's been around then rather than a product at times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's been some ups and downs. And I know that with Instagram recently <laughs> changing the likes, yep. that's going to have a bit of an impact on influencer culture. Yep. What do you think is important for a brand potentially who's looking at an influencer and working with them? I think what's so important is that you do your research. I've seen a lot of collabs, hashtag ad, where um, you'll see a particular influencer and you know that only six six weeks before that they were promoting someone for a competing product, but they're able to hide that photo. And I think that it's so important that if you're going through an influencer agency that you really ask to know who have you previously worked for. So obviously if you're working with a talent a talent agent traditionally, they will give you a list of what they've done for the last three years. There's not that guideline or um, current um, way that's working now. So people are getting away with, you know, being able to, you could, I've not seen it, but say Pepsi and Coca-Cola at the moment, there are no rules saying you can't do any other work for X amount of time. So the yeah. industry needs to set that standard. And I think it's really, we're starting to see some of the bigger places take that on board and own it and create some structure and actually do contracts. We didn't have contracts about a year ago. It was an email chain that agreed to a certain fee and um, yeah, times are changing and it's interesting. <laughs> With, with that type of content, I suppose you're not going to really have the same rollover structures because the content is a little... So fast. So uh, the rollover is seven days rather than <laughs> 24 months. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting to see the structure of the social media platforms seem to be changing so quickly as well. Like you're almost a little bit trying to keep up with the trends as well. Yeah, it's so hard, I think. For influencers to be sustainable, they do need to create a little bit more structure than what they currently have. But also it works because there isn't that structure. So it's finding that kind of happy medium, which is what the same thing we've done with Hive, trying to find the perfect balance of fast, cheap and good and making sure that you just find that perfect that perfect fit. Yeah. I really enjoyed working on quite a number of different types of projects, which um, were there was a real mix of briefs that you normally wouldn't get the opportunity to work on. I'm thinking of um, some music videos and mm-hmm. things like that back in the day. But what I really enjoyed was that with the internal crew, we were still having the same level of polish that I remember having when I was working in post-production 15 years ago plus. Because the the equipment has come down to a place where really quality filming equipment's available mm-hmm. 
and you can have a few people on set shooting and getting the coverage you need Mm -hmm. and shooting it properly. Do you sort of have any sort of predictions of like where it's sitting now for like the number of people on a shoot to make it professional, but also trying to keep those numbers down to keep the budgets in line with reality? Yeah, I think what's interesting is in Auckland, if you have a shoot crew of less than nine, you don't need a permit for most places, which is pretty crazy. But um, and I would say that that was that number nine came about because typically you'd have about thirty crew on a TVC shoot. Um, for us now, we're sort of sitting maybe at like the fifteen for a high end production. I think it's really important you have your core crew, so you've got your producer and your director and your camera operator, whether that's your DP. Um, and depending on the job, it could be your director's able to do the shooting as well. It really depends. But some things like lighting, you absolutely need to have a gaffer. But we've just formed these relationships with people where they get how Hive works. They know our model and they also get more creative freedom as well. So it works both ways. They're not, some people traditionally are like, no, I must have X, Y, and Z under me to do this job for you. But we've found this amazing network of people that are going, yeah, I'm happy to do that. And safety officers that we have on set who are happy to help load in and pack out gear and things that typically, you know, you'd never touch a director's stand or a C stand. That's for their, that's their job. Whereas, yeah, when you're working with a bit more of an intimate team, it's amazing how people just come together. I was just thinking also, you know, you're talking about gaffers, but sounds such a massive part of it too. I remember in the early days of um, the Canon Mark V becoming available, suddenly everybody thought that it was going to be the explosion of the one-man crew. (laughs) (laughs) And and your expectations are you're going to be filming it, you're going to be lighting it, you're going to do sound. And it's just unrealistic. There yep. comes a point where you just physically can't mm-hmm. handle all that. So sound being such an important aspect to the production as well, how have yep. you found um, managing and handling that with a small crew? I think it really depends on what brief you have. But if you're just doing an interview with someone, you generally only need a team of two. So what's amazing about Hive is that our content creators have the ability to kind of be our sound recordist, our our grip our lighting assist, our camera assistant, and it does work. Um, it really depends. The good thing about social media is a lot of things. People don't know. There's not an autoplay for sound. So um, depending on your budget, if you can afford to go to a sound studio or not, there's a few different ways you can approach it. But yeah, we would always have a sound recordist um, if we felt it was necessary, depending on the brief. But it's about we now have the option to decide. Um, yeah. More often or not, we will have one. But yeah, there is flex there. Awesome. I want to offer the opportunity for guests to sort of bring up some of the topics that they like, might like to discuss as well. So it's a bit of a curveball. Yeah. I haven't given you any pre-warning on <laughs> <It's> this. <okay. laughs> but it just means that it, this becomes more of a conversation opportunity rather than me just asking you questions. So sure. is there anything that you would like to discuss today? Oh, that's a good question, Blair. Not prepared. There are so many people out there that are so talented and so amazing and people that are trying to create, if not um, a model like Hive. And it's a really, I just really want to continue to kind of explore and broaden my network and reach out to those people that have that same mindset. And it's all about the growth mindset. You're not going to do things maybe how they traditionally were done and people that are keen to sort of flip everything on its head and redefine what content is. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just continuing to connect with those people and um, you continuing, yeah, not not necessarily looking at how things are currently done, but what's going to happen going forward and that being always part of the conversation. Trying to connect with others who are looking to do similar things. Sharing the stories and sharing the approaches are really valuable for you and them 
if they were trying to execute what you've done, that's already happened. Mm-hmm. That's already passed. Yeah, totally. So it's almost a recommendation to not try that. But yeah, it's the I've, way I've got of a thinking. lot of advice of what not to do <laughs> and how not to do something. But I think that's the reality. Like typically, production companies, you know, they compete against each other, and it's all about what director can you secure on your books. But for me, we can only do what we can do. I can't do everything. So not I don't need every client, and I don't want every client. So. No one's really a competitor. There's always someone someone you can learn from. And like just, you know, when you it's like when you catch up with a friend and they've both been through the same problem that you've had and it's just so relatable and it's refreshing and you can look at something in a different perspective. And I think, yeah, it's we've got to all pull together to make great work. One of the reasons why I have this podcast is to have these kind of conversations. Yeah. Because everybody has been through similar experiences but has different views on that Mm -hmm. having gone through it and different views of how to approach it if they were to again it's just a matter of trying to bring everybody together to have those conversations is quite hard today like everybody's you know with social media I almost feel like um, people are a bit more disconnected yeah totally it's crazy yeah no, it is, it is difficult and I think when you're running a model like Hive where everything is fast and you're trying to tick every box a day and you have a massive to-do list, it can be really difficult to step back and go, cool, wow, what an amazing year we have. Look at, I think, one year and our first year in Hive we did over 272 unique pieces of content and I was like, wow, that's incredible. But I didn't actually connect with anyone outside of my bubble so it be- can become so easy to just be set in what you're doing and it would be good to be challenged. Not everyone will agree this is the model and this is sustainable and it's cool to be able to have that conversation and connect with people yeah yeah I like those conversations because I like to be able to see if my way of thinking is right and you need to have almost a devil's advocate a hundred percent to be able to have your reasoning hammered I suppose Yeah. yeah. yeah there's nothing better than getting feedback or hindsight looking at a job and going why did I do it like that and um whether that's someone giving you feedback or something you can observe yourself it's amazing yeah you just have to have constant feedback and also trust in your gut instincts that you've that you're running on at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to know at the time you made the best decision you thought was right, and upon reflection, maybe it wasn't the best. But you just have to go with what you think is right. It's a really interesting one where you were talking about you know that first year being in the bubble. <laughs> I was in the bubble, but not in the bubble. Yeah. It was a bit of a weird one. I was kind of yeah. on the outside, but sort of looking in, but also offering. And that's what I think is like. I think your bubble was quite large. Yeah. The core people that were producing the work was yeah. a small unit, but yeah. like your connections to so many people who were um, within your vicinity. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was quite a large group of people as well. Yeah. No, definitely. And now it's time for the Pro Video Packs. This is an opportunity for everybody in the audience to maybe have a little bit of um, insight into something which you find inspirational. Yeah, it's that perspective thing, Mm -hmm. coming from a different perspective than they might look at the world. Mm -hmm. Pro video pick, this could literally be anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, what would be your pro video pick for everybody? There's a few different things. I think when you're a producer and for any producers out there, it's easy to be to feel so drained after a day because you have given it your all. And it's about how can you leave the office or leave set and 
kind of separate yourself from that pressure and I think it's about managing that adrenaline because it's this huge adrenaline ice like like Blair said every day you just feel like you've ticked all these boxes and you're achieving so much but you have to find that perfect balance and it's taken me so long to figure that out and I'm still figuring it out but um, for me it's just about what can you do that's a creative outlet for yourself that's not within what you're doing now so I love homeware shopping next level obsessed with that and so for me it could be just having a look on a site or a blog about a new store that's popped up, the architecture or the way someone's done some styling. And it's it's still creative, but it's not what you're doing day to day. And it's so important to have that outlet for you. It's different for everyone. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That balance, it's a theme that pops up all the time as we live in this rushed world of ours. Yeah. Yeah. I've even been told recently that I was having like crazy migraines and I was like, this is so strange. And they said, I, they said, oh, you know, you're probably really stressed. And I was like, well, this year I've actually been managing it really well. And they said, yeah, but you're probably managing it too well at work. You're up this tight, like this giant mountain and then you're coming home and relaxing so much. The come down is actually what's giving you the migraine because it's such a disparity between your high and your low. So it's about finding that perfect middle ground and that's a work on for me. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Being a show about creating video and video content or film, I'd like to share an inspirational piece of video. This is usually a bit of a hard one for most guests. Yeah. Is there a piece of inspirational video that you would share? Yeah. There's so, I mean, there's so many amazing videos that you see. We're inundated with them every day on social media. What's the next viral thing? But there was a campaign, campaign that was done overseas um, for Down syndrome. And I remember I was at work. We got someone sent a link around and I thought that's a really awesome piece of content. It wasn't the most snackable size, so maybe didn't tick all the social boxes. It would have been too long for TV, but online it still worked. Um, and yeah, I guess you can share the link um, yeah, everyone. I'll have that in the show notes as well as other links that we discuss. Yeah. That is the interesting thing that social networks have allowed over the past uh, decade really is this content that doesn't fit into the normal forms of like mm-hmm. a feature film or a short story or a TV ad. Yeah. Um, and I think that what I've noticed is people try and like put social into a box. Yeah. Like this is how long it should be and you should yeah. – you should be engaging by this amount. What I have seen is um, the ones that sit outside those rules, mm-hmm. that it's just so engaging. It just needs to exist how it is best presented. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's sometimes there are rules, but then there aren't rules with social. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to follow the rules, but if it's an amazing piece of content, then you can like, um, you gotta, you got to back yourself, I suppose, and feel that it is. And you know you know when it works. You know when you show someone the first offline or you show someone the image, you know if it's going to work from their reaction. It is hard when some content is uh, really confidential. Yeah. And we've worked on a lot of those types of projects. You have that gut, you're like, yeah, this feels really big. Mm. You, you're quite confident, but it's not until it actually goes into the wide world. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, there's nothing more exciting than, yeah, you know you know it's going to be good and it goes out and it's exactly how you imagine it and it's nothing beats that feeling. And then on the flip side, when you think something's going to be amazing and then you don't get the – like the performance isn't there and you go, okay. What's yeah, wrong with everybody? What, what, yeah, why is no – I think I'm, that's hilarious. Why does no one else think it's hilarious? And, yeah, it's it's fun. Being involved in social media, you must be following quite a few different people. Who would be yeah. some um, – who would be your standouts to follow? 
Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I follow an account for advertising lols. It's like art director memes, yeah. um, dank memes, I think it's called. And um, it just has, if you work in advertising, you get it. If you don't, you wouldn't think it was funny. Yeah. But sometimes that reality check that you might be having a hard day and you'll see it and go, look, like other people have experienced this. It's so relatable. It's so funny. It also reminds you to not to take yourself too seriously. You can get so th- worried about a logo or the way something transitions on a frame. But at the end of the day, you don't need to. It's not worth sweating the small stuff. So, um, yeah, that's really great for perspective. Again, a lot of homeware um, homeware <laughs> blogs and real- t- trashy reality shows that I'm obsessed with. I'm not the most inspirational Instagram. <laughs> okay, so the first couple sound great. Yeah. Uh, I think Sorry, we'll leave guys. <laughs> No, I, I, I admit you can find creativity in so many things, but yeah. yeah um, totally. We'll keep it to the video, the creative <laughs> yeah. advertising. That sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So um, where would everybody be following you online? Where would you direct them? Um, I would say probably my LinkedIn. Um, cool. I really like LinkedIn. I think it's a great way to connect. Um, and yeah, I want to see more people, particularly in film and advertising, really use it. Um, share your work. Show me what you've been up to, because I think that's such a great platform to share it with people like-minded. Yeah, I agree. And recently I was talking to somebody who has a brand that they are trying to build for themselves. And it's that balance of, um, you know, they've got a high profile um, and brand awareness on Facebook yeah. because of the person they are. Yeah. But it's really hard to separate the person and the brand. 100%. And it's like, yeah, so I feel like LinkedIn's the perfect place for that. And it does kind of require, I suppose, there to be that traction of people being there and seeing it. Otherwise, you're speaking to an empty void in a way. Yeah, and it's even been good for recruitment, I think. When I've been looking for people, they have kind of proactively reached out to me through LinkedIn and it's a way that I remember them. It's easy to check your messages and remind yourself who they were. And it's a great platform for everything. Okay, we'll have a link to um, that. And finally, who would you suggest to be on the show in the future? Who do you like to hear on the show? Um, I would love for you to sort of meet with other people like Hive that maybe um, operate slightly differently. So Real Factory, the most amazing team of guys, um, Hamish and Dan Watkins who started it, um, they started with a real technical background. So they didn't start with a huge producer focus like obviously it was for me. And so they really built this amazing tech, um, sorry, kit and best in class sort of um, the ability to do the most amazing things with working with cars. And yeah, I think that another great example of um, people doing different yeah great pick I know their work really well and um, the type of work that they've been doing is growing they're venturing into more and more different um, areas of execution so yeah great pick yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, um, everybody, you can find us on um, Slack. is probably the best place. So there'll be a link in the show notes. And yeah, um, jump in there. It's a bit more of a casual conversation. There is the Facebook and the Twitter streams. But I'll be honest, I'm not really in there much. <laughs> I need to do a bit more. I'm sort of finding my way back into this whole podcasting thing after a massive hiatus. With that, thank you so much, Lauren, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Blair. Okay, everyone, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye.